Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. Before we meet our guest, I'd like to remind you guys about our partners at Bet Online, who are the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your sports, contests, and events with first market odds and lines. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, and you'll always find the latest team matchup info, player news, games, and trends. With live betting options, free contests, live scores for almost any sport imaginable. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. And make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Episode 88 of the podcast welcomes Kyle Stelter. Stelter is the founder of Special Teams University, which is a company focused on the training and development of long snappers. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. Finally, Kyle, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. And it's a pleasure. You know, um, how old are you? Just curious. You know what? Sometimes I forget. Uh, I think I'm 34, though. Yeah, I, I knew you were. I knew you were a little younger. Uh, that makes sense. I for some reason I've followed you for a long time. I know you've you've been in this this end of it as a coach for for a number of years. Um, after you played, and uh, one thing is we talked about in pre recording that stood out to me was a really um appreciate coaches who are delving into the why and personalizing athletes experience you know especially in what you do in snapping but as specialists you know it's um it's such a precise thing uh one of my favorite quotes nick saban ever said and he had some good ones uh is i treat my specialists like assassins um because they get one shot we can't we can't get a do-over and i think that your training and what i've seen from afar i've never met you it's the first time I've ever talked to you, but you know, with social media, I'm able to to see you guys. That's why I invite you guys on because I'm I'm intrigued by you guys. Um, I like how you do these things. I like how you're always realizing you haven't figured everything out uh, because those are the best people. Uh, people that are always finding a way to like bring something in, drawing a parallel, going and learning from somewhere outside the box. Like I love golf teachers. You know, I I actually go and talk to people who teach sharpshooting. Because, you know, weight distribution and, and your base and how you're breathing, all these things are like very, very important. And I think you go there. I don't think you're as worried about the the stars and the rankings. And I think that results speak for themselves. Um, so that was long winded. But I that was kind of me telling you, hey, man, this is who I am and this is what I think of you. So I'm going to start with uh, where you grew up. You know, uh, you grew up and off on the offensive line um, and you found snapping later in your career. Can you share a little bit more about this? Yeah. So basically, I, I played offensive line my whole middle school, high school career. Um, I snapped a little bit in high school and actually fun, funny story. Um, when I was in high school, I was the starting short snapper and punt snapper. Uh, one day, my backup, who was my right guard, um, was getting better at snapping and I hated it. I hated snapping. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if the ball was going to get there or not, but I could do it. And so I said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to snap? I'd rather just play line. And he said, sure. So I sent a couple over the holder's head, 
coach yelled at me, pulled me, got the other guy in there. And it was the best day of my life because I no longer had to long snap it. Um, <laughs> fast forward a little bit later. Um, I was done with high school football, trying to go play in college. Um, as a 200 pound offensive lineman, my coach told me, you know what, you should probably work on your snapping. Um, you know, in his nice words of saying, it's probably a long shot. So I, I focused on it, got better at it, was able to um, go to uh, the University of Wisconsin Stout, which is a Division three school, did a, did a season there and then transferred to my, my home at uh, Wisconsin River Falls, which is another Division three school. Um, even there, tried to play another position. I tried tight end. I tried linebacker. I tried defensive end, thinking the whole time, like, well, I, I have to play a real position. Um, and then finally, my senior season, my coach pulled me aside and said, you know what, you're, you're really good at snapping. You're too valuable to get hurt playing another position. Once again, worst day of my life, just going to be a snapper. I, I thought to myself, like, wow, I, I don't want to just go sit on the, the, the other field with the specialists and just sit there and hang out and not do anything. And, um, you know, it was a different view of, of what specialists do and what they can be and what they are. Um, about two weeks into it, I started to love it. You know, started to take it a little more seriously. Um, saw the other guys beating their heads against the wall the whole practice. And we were, you know, able to, you know, manage ourselves and, and make things happen. <clears throat> and then going from there, just continue to work on it. Um, my teammates told me I was good. Looking back, I was probably okay. But because I was told I was good, I kept working on it and pursuing it. And I wanted to play professional football. So I, I took it from there and just kept developing and um, ended up being able to uh, play in the UFL for the Sacramento Mountain Lions and then got an opportunity with the Jets um, was my final playing days right there in 2014. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I read that. Uh, you have an interesting story, and I think it, it's relatable now because football is getting much smarter, you know, and I think they're realizing that um, people are matched up evenly on offense, defense, the better teams, you know, and, and the difference is often like maybe one or two impactful fourth down plays or mistakes or whatever. Um, I think high school coaches really need help with identification in a long snapper, because like I used to coach high school, I coached for 12 years as a, just a volunteer. I coached at special teams at my old high school and I thoroughly enjoyed it because I got to learn football a little bit more. You know, I, I was only a kicker. Um, so I really enjoyed like going to like Florida and learning from my guys over UCF, like how to attack punts and stuff. Cause it was fun. It was like playing chess out there, you know? And it was really fun because most people didn't acknowledge the importance of fourth down in high school football. So, I mean, I had one kid that went to Citadel block nine punts in a season, you know, he was, but he was incredible. He, he was our, our linebacker, one of, the, one of those quick tweener backers that could play safety and he was very intelligent and we would pick the void and it was often, guess what? It was a snapper for one of the first things I would look for, for opponent X the next week, I would go right to their punt team. And if it was one of those like parabola, you know, get it there. Eventually we're sending the house on that kid. Right. Right. And it worked, you know? So my point is this, like you are immersed in the LS position, whereas I am on the other end. I, you know, I'm coaching the punter while you're coaching the guy that's servicing us. I would like you to talk about maybe some attributes like coaches can look for. And it doesn't have to be, obviously, I don't want you to say the prototype. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a high school coach who is desperately in need of not getting his punts blocked by me. Right. Well, and I, I think the first thing, and this is, this is something I tell all the coaches that I speak to at clinics and things like that, you have to find someone that wants to do it. 
first, you know, I I've seen coaches in the past that they get their prototype athlete, their, their best athlete on their team. And they try to make him learn how to long snap. That kid doesn't care. He wants to play linebacker. He doesn't find it fun or cool or appealing. Uh, and not most people do, you know, mo most people look at snapping as like, eh, it is what it is, right? Like that's just a position. Nobody's supposed to know about you. Um, you're supposed to go unnoticed. And a lot of kids want to be noticed, even, even in the long snapping world. And, and I think we'll talk about this later. Like kids just crave people noticing how good they are um, when they should be focused on how, you know, getting better on their own. But I guess uh, as far as like looking for a snapper, first of all, finding someone that wants to do it, finding someone who is at least a little athletic, you know, running downfield, making a tackle is something that is something um, coaches should be looking for. You know, if, if you don't have a guy like that, get someone that just gets the ball back there. Right. But at the same time, once you get to higher levels, having people like you that are looking to block that punt, looking at the snapper and, and what are they doing and what are they, what kind of tells do they give away? Uh, what kind of weaknesses do they have? Becomes a lot bigger of a role, um, something that they're going to be picking apart. So I think, you know, if I was looking for a snapper, I'm probably looking at more of a linebacker, a tight end body. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, prototypical. You know, when we get to the NFL, it's like you got to be 6'2", 240 with a six pack, um, which most of those guys don't have anyway. <laughs> There's only a, a couple. But, uh, you know, that's that would be ideal. But most guys don't. I, I played, you know, I was a long snapper because I couldn't play another position. I, I tried. You know, coaches told me at a certain point, probably not a great idea. Um and I think that's kind of where a lot of guys fall into is, you know, maybe not big enough, maybe not fast enough, maybe not strong enough for certain other positions. So you find a home and it's a lot of those guys that take it seriously enough to hone their craft and they develop later on um, and they don't have to be a stud right away. I like what you said about the want. Um, I have a kid, James Lyons. I'll give a shout out to, I went on the only kid I actually made it to his signing day because he lives in my hometown, but it's an incredible story, Kyle. It's, I mean, he was a aspiring lineman, you know, and he's a good athlete, but undersized genetics weren't in his favor. I went to school with his father and his dad was not an athlete. He was short and um, just wasn't into it. So this was kind of a miracle. And his dad called and was like, yo, my son, like was told by his coach that, you know, that that's a wide open position. And I see what you do for a living. Can you steer him in that direction? So long story short, We've got a kid that's 170 ish pounds and he's like five, nine. Um, but he's dude, he's incredibly gifted. Like I had him come out for Mississippi state kid the other day. And he's like, if that kid was just bigger, that's it. I mean, his speed, I mean, he goes at 15 right now. I mean, he's pushed himself. He's really good at 14, but he's already trying to make that transition to be comfortable there right away. So long story short, it's like the want is what I like what you said. I think it's very important that we don't force this because this is a critical position, right? It, if you have a bad snapper and anyone on the other team is aware of it, it's such a disadvantage to the team. It's you you really, you could, in all seriousness, um, it may be one of the biggest deficits, I think. It, it's a difference maker. They have to be accurate enough. They've got to be fast enough. They've got to be able to account for the A's in certain schemes some want you to cover effectively either or is hard um but most people don't practice this or they just throw someone in there just to do this a body filler if you will um whereas like this kid james lyons was not prototypical in fact he was like 
he has everything going against him right now, but his snapping is incredible because of the want. Um, so anyway, uh, I want to move on to giving more advice to just the coaches, but uh, <laughs> actually, no, let's steer it. I'm going to flip this to specialists. I am so sick of seeing kids only, only exclusively. All they do is go get evaluated. Okay. If we say this out loud, the more frequently I get evaluated, the faster I will find success. That's what they're thinking. But if you say it out loud, it doesn't, there's no, there's no correlation there. Like there's no how, how, right? So instead, you know, I want you to talk about these ranking camps uh, and, and I want you to compare, contrast them to training camps. And then I want you to say like, is it a fusion of both that gives the kid the best opportunity? Um or, or 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 where should they go with this? How do they balance these two things? Right. And so, you know, I think there's there's definitely a, a good balance that can be had. Uh, however, I do see and I deal with a lot of kids on a daily basis who they want to just go get ranked, ranked, ranked. And most of these kids aren't ready to be ranked. You know, if, if you're not putting in the work, if you're not the best at what you're doing right now, then you're just there. You're just spending money, Right. Um, and even if you do have a good ranking, you still have to go take that ranking and show it off. You know, and, um, I see a lot of kids that they'll go get a, a good, a good ranking and then they'll go to the college camp and sometimes they do well, but sometimes they get beat out by some no-namer who has no ranking. So it, it's not the end all. And I think that's something that a lot of kids need to understand is that what matters most is how you perform. And if you aren't performing, then a ranking doesn't mean anything. And unfortunately, what I've seen too is I see a lot of guys that have high rankings, four-star, five-star rankings, that I can make them better. There's always another level. Um, and, and I think in my mind, if you're a five-star snapper, you should be going and starting at a Division I FBS school as a true freshman, full ride. You know, like I think just the, the quality of what those ratings mean has definitely degraded. Um, and so I see a lot of these five-star guys, they get to a school, they don't play right away. They sit out, they, they red shirt. Um, they're not ready to play. And so I take those guys and, and a big clientele base of mine is, is college guys. They get to college and they realize, wow, I'm not a stud. I'm not the stud I was told I was, and now I need help. And so that's kind of my sweet spot is those guys that, that rode that high up in, in, in high school. And then they hit that point where they get to college and they're like, my coach is yelling at me. He thinks my snaps are too slow. Um, there's competition here. And that's where, you know, I get, get in there and I can help them improve their snap times and improve their body control and improve their consistency. So I definitely think there can be a balance of both. But once again, I think if kids are so focused on evaluations, they don't have time for um, getting better. And I think that's, that's definitely something. I just had a conversation with one of, one of my clients this morning. He's like, hey, I, do you think I'll be ready for this camp? um, in March. And I said, well, we need time to improve. And then what's the point, what's the point of you going to this camp at this time on this date? Um, and, and we kind of talked ourselves back into a circle of let's work on getting better because no matter what, if you're not getting better, you're not going to be able to expose yourself in the way you need to. Amen. I, I think meet the standard, you know, we talk about it often on the show because this comes up, you know, we, we're trying to steer people in the right direction here because it's muddy waters and there are a lot of people who are in it for the right reasons and there are people who are in it for other reasons. 
Um, and I think that uh, evaluation is fine. Um, but I think that it's important to note that if you go and get evaluated and get a bad evaluation, it is equally as powerful on the other side of having a good. I mean, you could set yourself in stone as a three and a half star. That That's going to be there forever. You might improve a little bit. Well, let me ask you something. Have, sure. have, have you seen a lot of bad evaluations? Because in, I think it's just part of the business model. You, you give kids good evaluations. Like, I just want to point that out because I see a lot of guys that in my mind need a lot of improvement. They'll go get a three and a half or four star, four and a half star ranking by anybody. And now they think, wow, I'm really good. So they throw on the brakes and they want to coast when, like I said, there's always another level. There's always something to work on. Even my NFL players, we're always working on something. So I think that that ranking can almost be detrimental to their attitudes because they're thinking, well, I'm, I'm a four, I'm a five-star snapper. What, what else do I have to work on? And that's, you know, like I said, then they get to college and realize, wow, this, I'm not ready. And that's where, you know, I come in too. So I was just curious if, if you're seeing the same things or, or if that's just uh, snappers only. Well, I get asked this a lot by college coaches uh, behind closed doors because they come to see me with just either a short list of people they've already accounted for that they like, right. you know, you know, what's your take? And I know you get that as well, but here's my take. I think refinement is key, you know, with anything and no one's a finished product. The, the draft is never completed. However you want to say it, the list is never done. It's one of my favorites because I want to attack this to-do list and I and I my full expectation is to finish, but it never happens. And I think as I get older, I'm okay with it. I just have to prioritize, right? Um, but I think in terms of refinement with the with the specialist star and ranking industry, someone's gonna be brave enough one day to uh, to do it like football does it, to where a two-star is a decent snapper. And a three star is a proficient one and a four star is an exceptional one and a five star. There are a few of them, right? Cause there only are, there only are a few of them. There should be, but Kyle, I'll give you a fact. I'm not going to name names, but in my opinion, the highest volume camp that everyone is aware of has an average of 170 to 200, four and a half stars. Do you think a college coach has the time? Well, he's got QCs, he's got analysts, but even those guys tell me, I really wish we could have a more extensive system to where I can look at a two-star and be kind of impressed. It starts at three. The baseline is three. Okay. Say that out loud. If I start, if I start at three, then a five star is a three-star. I mean, we could look at it like that. But if you're, if you're looking at it from a, a kid's standpoint, if I get ranked a two-star, I'm not going to go back there. You know, like it, it, I think it's a lot of these kids have a, a different attitude about if, if you don't tell me I'm good, it works. It works in football. I, right. And I agree. And I think it should. But unfortunately, and I've experienced this firsthand because I, I tried to do something like that. Um, it was early on in my career. But I, I told guys, this is your real snap time. Here is your real ranking. And they're like, uh, but this other camp said I'm better than that. And so they kept going to the other. You know, like, so I think it's part of the attitude and part of the culture right now. I know. Uh, just how it is. Kids want to, Kids want their butts kissed. And if they're going to go to where they get kissed the most. <laughs> and I think it's just part of a comfort thing. They want to be comfortable. And that's, I see that here when people step in my gym and, or even you go on my website, read my warning. This is hard. This is not easy. If you want to, you know, if you want a cheerleader, that's not going to be me. It's, it's, you know, we're going to make sure that you get better. Um, and, and you can tell some guys come in, they're like, yeah, I want that. I want to get better. And then as soon as it gets hard, they bail yeah. or they, they shut down. And it's like, 
you know, there's, there's definitely, I put that up there for a reason. Cause you're not the first one that thinks this is hard. Everybody reaches a point where, where life gets hard, training gets hard. And if it's not getting hard, you're not getting better. Um, so I think it's definitely just a different attitude with snappers. And I think most high school kids don't want it to be hard. They want it to be fun and they want to be told they're good. And I think once they get to a higher level, that's like I said, that's kind of my, my client's sweet spot is professional and college kids who want, or they know I need to get better or I'm not going to have a job. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. You know, it's, it's why I have a lot of respect for you and, and others like you is, um, you have to be okay with losing. It's not about retention of people. It's about building the athletes that you have in mind. And when, it, when, when we think of it like that, people become expendable because some people aren't fit. And I'm not saying I don't like the people off the field, but I have one job today and it's to bring about the best version of you in terms of kicking and punting. And if you are going to fight that, we have an issue. And I've had issue. I'm, I'm just like you. Um, it used to hurt my feelings a little more, uh, but I'm not looking. I'm not starting there. Like my, I no one on a field has more of a passion to build a player than me, in my opinion. I just think my heart's in the right place. If I don't get it reciprocated, though, if you don't show me maximum effort and show me receptiveness to change, because I'm not here to just continue along with your journey i'm here to redirect you ever so slightly to a better trajectory right and that's hard like you mentioned that's having to maybe micromanage processes which you're going to get into next i think that some kids just aren't fit for it and it's good of us it's it's it's, it's good of us to be honest with those kids and tell them to go find something else to do right well and i, I think even just early on as a coach i, I think you're I, i'm going to agree with you 100 like it definitely hurts your feelings when like you get a kid that's not all in or doesn't follow what you're telling them or things like that. But you know, the, the longer you do it, I've been doing this for 14 years now. Like you just, you get used to it and you learn the the path and you learn what, what's going to work and what isn't working. And um, you know, you get to find those kids and those, those athletes that really do want to improve and are, are going to put that work in to make that happen, which is always fun to see too. Amen. So let's talk about you, you know, because we all have to differentiate when anyone enters a market and anything to be special, you've got to be unique. And I tell my kids that all the time, like your profile should look ever so slightly different than everybody else's, but include the relevant information. Your, your, your content should be very technically specific. It should also be very like compartmentalized. It should be like, just throw it out there one day. I'm focusing on my counterarm alone today. How many other kids are saying that? Absolutely none. Right. And so some of my kids do these little gold nuggets because I've learned over time what coaches are looking for. They're looking for a guy that stands out. What what makes this kid different? And I think it's the way they work and prepare. So can you talk about ways you accommodate your athletes and and like the things that you do that go above and beyond the the norm, the expectation of the industry? Right. Well, I think the first thing that I always make sure guys understand is when you come here, I need you to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you're doing it. Most snappers come into camps or any situations or you know any workouts for coaches, and I can tell if they know what they're doing or if they don't. Um, whether they're just slinging it and hoping it gets back there or if they completely understand their kinetic sequence and their process and everything like that. So I definitely think you know, what you're telling your guys is, is absolutely awesome. Um, <clears throat> making sure that whenever they're 
um, talking to someone or posting something that they show their expertise. But most guys want to keep snapping so simplified that they don't go in and dig into the what, why, and how. Um, you know, my, one of the first questions I always ask guys is, how do, you, how do you try to create speed with your snap? And most guys will tell me, well, I try to throw my body as hard as I can. And if we look across any other sport, whether, you know, in throwing or striking in general, anytime you just try to use maximum effort, you're always going to lose out on body control. And when you lose body control, you lose out on consistency. And I think, you know, I'm not a kicking expert, but I would assume that's similar there. Like if you try to kick the crap out of the ball, it's probably not going to go where you want to every time. Now, sometimes you may try to snap the crap out of the ball and it goes right where you want it to. That's called getting lucky. Everybody gets lucky sometimes. And you might be pretty good at getting lucky. But the more you work on sequencing and being efficient and using physics, the better it becomes. So um, one thing I can relate it to as well is like every snapper has been in, the, in a situation where like you're going to have a bad snap. Something's happened. You're not a robot, um, whether it's conditions or whatever. Um, how you bounce back from that really means more than anything. So the guys that understand their craft and understand the physics and how things work, the cause and effect, you can tell they bounce back a lot quicker. Guys that have no idea what's happening, how their grip affects the ball, how their body affects the ball, how their sequencing affects the ball. You see a guy that throws a high one, then a low one, then a right, then a left. And they're trying to like dial it in. And sometimes, sometimes you get back on it. Sometimes you, you throw a couple over the head, you know, like um, it, it, it's happened. It, it's going to continue to happen until athletes start to understand more about the, the why and how, you know, and I think that's, that's a big part that most guys that I want them to understand is what are you doing? Why are you doing it? How are you doing it? So I have a, I don't think you can see it here. I got a whiteboard on my wall. I make guys write notes as if they get something that clicks, write it down. Cause I want them to look Amen. at it later and be like, Hey, we're, we're in a different drill. We're doing a different concept or thinking about a different aspect of the snap. But that wasn't the cue I thought about earlier to make this thing happen. Whether it's the same cue I can pull in, or if it's different, I'm going to make sure I note that because I throw a lot of information at guys. I want them. And that might be something I'm always trying to um, continue to, to improve on as a coach is not overloading an athlete, yes. but I want them. I want them to have my knowledge. I want them to have everything I have right now. And the more we can kind of sift through that and ease into it, notes help seeing it helps doing it helps kind of hitting all those senses um, really makes a big difference with if guys are retaining it, if they're understanding it. And I tell guys all the time, I know, that you understand it if you're doing X, Y, Z, or, you know, based on how they're doing a drill or how they're looking with their body. So once again, just kind of circling back, the more they know, the, the better they're going to be become. And I think that'll really go a long way with recruiting. If you're talking to a coach, if you can talk to a coach and he thinks, wow, you sure know a lot about snapping. I think they're going to be able to trust you a lot more based, you know, instead of a kid that says, I throw it hard. Okay, what else? You know, how how do you throw it hard? What do you do? You know, so I definitely agree with what you're saying earlier. Yeah, I mean, good coaches, uh, they know what's right. I think bad coaches know what's wrong, right? And they know how to extract things that aren't needed because what's wrong is usually excess, mm -hmm. doing too much, or like you said, moving too fast. I always kind of like the most of my kids have the issue of trying to attack, attack, attack ball, and it's always like they. 
they don't have any reserved energy or inertia. You know, I don't have that finish because they've expelled prior to. So we're trying to store and 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 be explosive at the right time. And I imagine we can draw these parallels with like the release of the hands and body positioning at release and all these things are the same. You don't want to be too front loaded. But I like what you said is um, you're, you're delving into the why. But my favorite thing that you said is in an effort to, to pour this knowledge. And I think over time, you can't expect a kid in two hour session virtually or in person to be able to, to retain all of it. But I'd like to think that a kid can find a trainer that he trusts who can over time retain most of it because it, in hopes we want these kids to go where they're going and to be able to self-critique, self-assess because we're by ourselves as specialists. There are no even the analysts and quality control are usually experts in something else that are taking that job to work their way up. I'm just being honest. I know you know this. Right. So I think that what you were doing is is such an amazing service to the kids because it's my purpose. You're, you're finding things that are excessive and we're going to get rid of it because if we minimize variables in your process, it's easier to be repeatable. And I think that we want to stay in that repeatability, right? We want to we want to do we Absolutely. want to do it for 15 to 18 weeks. So my last question, a little easier one, but maybe it's the hardest one. Everyone has a why. So like if I ask you like candidly right now, like, man, what is your why? Like what comes to mind? So I think the first thing that comes to mind is like when I was a player, I didn't have a lot of help or opportunities. You know, I kind of had to make it myself. Um, so now the more I can help guys understand what they're doing or why they're doing it, how they're doing it, figure out their training. Cause when I was snapping, I had no clue, no clue what I was doing. I just did it. You know, you work hard, you don't work smart. So now that I've, I've figured that out throughout my years of coaching so far. And you know, like you said earlier, I I'm always trying to better that I follow quarterback coaches and uh, other coaches in different industries to see like, what are they doing? What are they talking about? What are they thinking about? I, uh, I am by no means a biomechanist or a, uh, a kinesiologist, but I, I love to see what those guys do uh, to be able to pull this into to what we're doing. And I think um, my, my why is being able to help these guys understand so they can have opportunities, um, more opportunities than I had. You know, I went from small town high school to division three because that's all I knew. Um, and I have to talk a lot of guys out of that D1 dream and not, not, not necessarily talk them out of it, but, you know, like, hey, be open. I played at a division three school and I ended up being better than a lot of division one guys to get my opportunities in professional football. So it's not about where you start. It's about, you know, where you take it. Um, but I think just seeing where guys can take their, their snapping and where football can bring them in life is really cool. Um, I mean, I got guys that have been retired from football for a while now doing really cool things and whether they take things away from our sessions and are continuing to use them or, you know, in a football aspect, helping out their local high school or things like that, or they're just taking things and running with it in life, like how they mentally prepared for games or for practices or how we trained. I think that's really cool to see uh, and just hear sometimes, you know, like I, I got guys in every industry you can imagine, you know, af after football, and it's cool to hear them say things like, um, hey, you know, I'm still taking those things that you told me and I'm, I'm working on them or, um, you know, I'm using some of that every day of my life or, you know, whatever it may be. But I think that's probably the, the coolest part about being a coach is just being able to impact guys, um, whether it's just right now or if they can carry it for the rest of their lives. It's, this is corny, but you, you made me yeah. think of it like 
coaches, I mean, second to parents. And I mean, there's, there's important people in people's lives. Hopefully there's a teacher to, I have one professor that I still like, I mean, he passed away, but I think about him all the time. I, I think that we have an important job, you know, like it goes further. I mean, you talk about punctuality, like I jump my kids if they're on time. Right. Because now like, and here's the thing, Kyle, and I know you know this, but parents listening need to hear this. If a private lesson, especially a private, good Lord, that's, that's, that's not cheap. It's, it's just, it's not in time. You can't get time back. Here's my point. If you have a 10 AM training, my thought as a coach is you're warm and ready to go at 10 to work because I want to make every second count. But what you did instead was come at nine 55 and you're still warming up at five after. I mean, it's not my money, you know, it's your parents, but I think the parents really like the message I send because I'm not nice about it. You don't come five minutes before a workout in college, you get fired. Right. You know, I mean, we learned this very quickly, but you're, it's, it's more than punctuality, but it's, you know, it's being an exceptional student. It's being an exceptional human, you know, uh, because every little bit counts. I feel like uh, it's, you know, the, what we do is important and it's unique and we work hard at giving the, the knowledge that we give to these kids. But I think fundamentals people forget about when they're trying to be great and you have to have the foundation, right? You can't skip it. I mean, right. Yeah. You can't. And, and you look at, I mean, I, I'll say it, Antonio Brown. I mean, he's messed up enough where I feel pretty comfortable. One of the most gifted people I've ever met in my life. You know, he's a Miami guy. I'm, I went to school there. Uh, he's a knucklehead and it's a shame because he did all the hard things very well, but back to our point, fundamentally, he didn't know how to behave. He didn't know how to treat people. He didn't know how to treat himself. And unfortunately, like if he doesn't figure it out, you know, like we may never hear about him again. And I hope the guy makes a recovery. I don't think he'll play in the NFL ever again, but it's stuff like that. That's sad. And people see it and they ignore it because they think that, Oh, I'm an exception to the rule. No, 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 no. He was a world-class athlete and he's unemployed. Right. Right. I mean, so I, it's lip service, I guess. But when you give examples like that, it's like, oh, well, maybe there's some truth to it. So I'll end with this. I just want you to give a few ways. People always ask me, and I, I try to include it in the uh, podcast notes as well. Um, but give a few ways, a link or two, social media link, and then maybe your website that people could reach out or just maybe look more into what it is you're doing. Yeah, so uh, obviously I have my website, specialteamsu.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all all of the above underneath uh, Special Teams U. So I think Instagram seems to be our biggest uh, market right now, and, and we post a lot on there. So if you want to check out some, some of the drills we're doing, some of the content that we're putting out, that'd probably be your best bet. Awesome. Yeah, I, I follow all your stuff. It's very good. That's why we're here right now. So keep it up, man. It's awesome. I want to come see your area too. That's a cool little studio in the background. For those that aren't going to be watching this episode. He's got a really neat setup, man. He's looks like he's got all the bells and whistles. We can get a lift in. We can get a 15-yard snap. We can cover if we want. Uh, tons of toys, but Absolutely. it looks cool. Um, so anyway, it means a lot, you know, to to me and everyone here at Fourth Down Focus that that Kyle Stelter was able to share information that will help both on and off the field. Uh, please give us a five-star rating, a review, and subscribe to the show. Share with a friend, and if you have questions, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you just have feedback, you can reach me in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. 
and on social media you can find me at fourth down you thanks again for joining us at fourth down focus presented by bet online we'll see you next week with an exciting new guest and i hope this winter is treating you too well i'm enjoying an 81 degree day in florida at the moment uh in all things give thanks Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.